Welcome to the Sports Fan Radio podcast. The panel spoke with Lisa Catto about all things AFLW. Lisa is a life member of the Victorian Women's Football League, has a lengthy history in women's football, and is a noted commentator in this area. Special guest today, Lisa Catto. Since we last spoke, there's been negotiations between the AFL and the AFLPA about a new CBA, yep. an agreement covering the women. Um, there are a few sticking points, but uh, fortunately, they've at least managed to sign one that sees the next season start at the end of August. As far as you're concerned, I guess the first one is two seasons in one year. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Not ideal at all. Um, I actually really wanted, well, I would have liked and and uh, thought it made more sense to start uh, this what is it season seven um, later this year at least to be able to, I thought that if it's going to be August if that's decided to be the best fit for the AFLW for however long like it needs to have a spot where it's better for the players etc for the weather wise health wise then I thought this season coming. I didn't think there'd be a 12-month or more gap. I thought that won't happen for the AFLW. So I thought late October, November, just to start this season, to get this season underway. However you manage it over Christmas, you have a week off, you do whatever you do just to get this season played so that you can ideally start at August next year. So to me, it's not ideal. It's not much of a break for the players um, at all, for the clubs, for the staff. It's 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 pretty hard, you know. There's a whole heap of things like players who are going to be drafted who are still in in year twelve, you know. All these kind of things. There's a whole lot of issues, so it's not ideal timing. Um, but the AFL were keen to go with it, so go with it. We are ten games. The AFL wouldn't move off there only being ten games, and I've heard uh, a number of players saying that it's not and they use a terrific word for it they don't feel it's a legitimate season now with 18 teams in and there's only 10 games 100 percent, absolutely so this has to be the only year where there's 10 if there's if there's 10 again after this like we've got 18 teams absolutely 10 games is, is not enough it's not enough for the players to develop like this year, for example, AFLW will be played when there's no um, state leagues. So where do players go when there's no football to be played, like in terms of their development? There's a whole heap of questions around it. So, okay, it's 10 games this season, but it, anything, I mean, there's been a lot of players on social media, you know, just really questioning this. How can the development come if we can't play more games? There's more teams, et cetera. So, yeah, 100%, it needs to be more than 10, Mark. How long do you think it'll be before, and let's say for legitimacy, each team plays each other once, so that'd be 17 games. How long do you think it'll be before there's actually a full round of matches where each team plays each other once? I know that's, I know that's like asking how long's a piece of string. No, I know, but, uh, you know, you'd really hope just all like want to see that sort of in the next few years. Like that's a big jump from where we're at, but I'd really want to hope to see that. What are we, 2022, sort of 2025, 2026? I don't know if that's um, realistic, but 
I'm sure that that's what the clubs and players would want, you know, to have a fair competition, to give it, to give, to develop the game as a whole. Like it really needs to get up to that 17 games sooner rather than later. Yeah, Lisa, I'm I'm bemused by uh, the AFLW system at the moment. Um, It seems that people like yourself are involved in the decision-making. It seems like the women's game generally isn't involved in the decision-making. It seems that the AFL themselves are making all the decisions. Do you know who's actually directing things uh, in relation to women's football at the moment? Well, look, that's an excellent question, actually, to tell you the truth. Not really. Um, I I did have a chat with Brian Walsh from the AFL recently. He's he's um, one of the executives in there. And just talking to him, like his sort of involvement and knowledge around it, I, I, um, I, I felt really quite comforted by the fact that he was involved in it. He had a genuine care for it. I think a lot of it would fit with, obviously, there's Nicole Livingston, but... Um, she's not at the executive level, so her portfolio reports to um, her portfolio, along with also Laura Kane and Brad Scott's portfolio, report to I'm trying to think who it is now. Um, so I think there's like a number of people in there who are the, the decision makers, but yeah, um, there's things that obviously that we all from the outside you know, aren't happy with, obviously. I just get the impression... It really that, answer your question, though. No, no, it doesn't, but it, it sort of... It reinforced what I think is happening, and that it's just... It's chaos is reigning, and uh, I, I just can't see the sense of the... Well, two seasons in a, in a year, two yeah. s- short seasons in a year. Yeah. The season starting in August, it just makes no sense to me. And yeah. I just wonder whether this is an experimental... Uh, idea where they just see how it goes because I, I think it's got mud written all over it. If the yeah. AFLW is going to, from here on, start in August and build their 10 season, 12 season, you know, to 18 games, yeah, God, so they'll, they'll, they'll be playing in the middle of February. Uh, it'll be a disaster, heat wise and, and uh, yeah. j- just health wise. And, and so I just yeah. wonder what the direction is. No, and that's a very good question because that's that's why we're moving the season or, you know, a big part of why we're moving it away from where it was like the last, well, from it, from the start for that weather-wise. So if that's the case that it's going to end up back there, then that's, that's, I mean, footy, let's face it, footy's been a traditionally a winter game, yep. you know, ever since, well, ever since footy's been played. Mm. So why not play it then? I know they talk about the clean air between AFL and AFLW, the broadcast. There's a lot, but what is the best time for the game? Maybe they're starting this August season this year, um, not just in relation to footy, but in relation to sponsors and keeping the interest in the game. I think there's a lot of factors. Well, just to take the clean air point, and that's your perception of it, but... That, that's one of those philosophical issues, i.e. the women's game should be separate from the men's game. But that, that's also confusing the messages of the AFL because they've got 18 teams of, of the existing teams. So yep. they want to brand the game as a sort of a adjunct to the men's game. 
Yep. And then to say, well, you want clean, clean air for sponsors and all the rest of it. Well, that again seems to, to me to be a mixed message. And uh, I, I've just got a, a belief that the AFL have really stuffed this up uh, in terms yep. of uh, what they're really doing with the women's game. And um, <clears throat> I can see tears before bedtime, Lisa, with, with all of this. I think the women eventually will say, hang on, this is just not working out for us. How do you see it? Yeah, look, maybe, maybe. I know that, look, I think the sooner, and I think it's great that the pay rises that they've that they've got, which have been, like, when you look at the numbers, it's pretty good. Yep. Compared to what was a very low starting base, though. Yes. Um, the sooner they can be full-time or able to just study and concentrate on their footy, say, for example, the better. So if that takes us across the 12 months of the year, now, when is the best time to play? If winter's the best time to play the game, because that's the best time to play footy, that's the best footy you're going to see, or whatever it is, that it needs to be, that is what we're doing with AFLW, what's best for the game, not just what's best for where does the AFL think it'll sit in around the year, you know? Do you have a feeling as to what the, the women themselves want? Do they want their game to be played during the winter season, or do you think the women have got a inclination towards the summer, which is what's what's happening? No, I don't think they've got an inclination towards the summer. I think they've really struggled under the heat um, mm. with the summer. And I think that, you know, the players would say that themselves. They've been used to playing. Most of these women, unless they're from the NT, they're being used to playing like in the, in our winter months. You know, that's, what that's when they've played their footy. So this is all a ch new to them. This has all been a you know, a change to them to say play over summer, and and it's been pretty hard. It's Lisa, I'm a country, hard. I'm a country person. I note that uh, the women's game in the country is really going well and, and progressing very well. But it seems to me that one of the advantages um, is the same advantage that netball has always had with football, where you have the two, the men's game and the women's game, going side by side. It creates a very good social atmosphere. Uh, in the clubs, and, and I think the same's been developed uh, with the women's game in the country. But this is going to be a whole different change where the women's game has clean air, clean air as you call it, separated for the men's game, played at different times of the year. I, I actually see uh, that that being problematic. Just wonder if, if you do. Well, it's an interesting one because initially I wasn't a I wasn't such a fan of having um, AFL like an AFLW together. Right. They play, say people had said, why don't you play Essendon Richmond AFLW? Then you play Essendon Richmond like all on the one sort of day. One say AFLW first and then AFL, for example. And and I thought that that can take away from the AFLW because people won't it's a longer day. People don't necessarily want to come along and see two games. There's a whole heap of things that I thought I wanted to see AFLW as a standalone sort of product so that people can just go and see that. Um, I agree with you 100% about the country stuff, like absolutely, uh, with, or even in the city, with, you know, in a football club, having men's footy and women's footy together where it coexists is fantastic. And that just, that really, it's great for the club. And I think it's great for the game. How do we do, how do, and, and essentially that's what we've, we've got now at AFL 
and AFLW, but how do we make that the best we can for both AFL and AFLW? I think <laughs> AFL, the product of AFL, like, is, is you know, that's a whole separate question. I think that how, how that's managed, that's obviously run through the traditional footy year, how long that season is, etc. Should we have AFLW played through winter? That, you know, in terms of a, a spot for women, for footy, winter's, the, winter's where it should be played, in my opinion. How that looks, though, does it look like double headers? Does it look like it's played, you know, um, as standalone games or maybe a few AFLW games together? There's, there's a whole heap of things I think that can be explored around this. It's, it's not to say that August necessarily is the right spot for it. So yeah, you could be right. Um, maybe this is another like trial. Mm. Is August the right time? If I can just, uh, Lisa, Paul Dalligan, I do the rugby league uh, segment. I was just going to make some comments on the women's rugby league competition. It's very, um, I guess, in its infancy, there's only four teams. Makes sense that there's six rounds. They play each other twice, the three teams. Uh, Peter Volandis would be one of the more bullish sports operators in the country, but rugby league's taking a softly, softly approach, and it's, it's growing exponentially, and it's working really well. Now, AFL's a three-hour game. Rugby league's a two-hour game. That might be why it works so well, but there's, I, I would say the opposite of um, diminishing the women's game, I think it, it increases its importance when they're playing before the NRL because the audience share is just going through the roof. Everyone's interested in participation rates and, and, the, and the growth of the game will be through growth, not just we're just going to add a team for the sake of it. I see that there's a Carlton girl who um, has just signed for one of the NRL teams. I'd have to check on that, but that's interesting. Yeah, no. that's, that might happen more. Yeah. Well, yeah, it may well. She's encouraging um, more girls to go. She's from, I think she was traditionally from uh, Sydney or from an NRL background. So she's going she's gonna to play. Um, so that's going to be very interesting to watch that. Do you think that pe the crowds will come in early to watch the women's game? Is it? And how long be before the end of the women's game and the start of the men's game is there on the day? Because traditionally in AFL there's been an issue with the AFL teams or the AFL wanting the curtain raiser to finish, um, I think it was up to 90 minutes before the start of the, the men's game so that they could get on the ground and warm up and stuff. There were a lot of issues around this, Paul. You're looking at, that's, the, that's where the two-hour game difference comes in because if you're getting a big break, you're looking at six, seven hours of sport there if you play the women's AFL before the men's, whereas with the league, it's pretty much, there's not a big break between them at all. Okay, so that's uh, something I'd like to see, like if we do have curtain raises or if the AFLW is first, then there's this major gap, or there has been, between the start time of the, or the finish time of the women's game and the start time of the men's. So that would have to be kind of, work through for it to work but also yeah. the longer times in afl i don't know how much does it really lend itself to people going nowadays to watch two games <laughs> you made a very good point about um the carlton player it was brooke walker who's decided she's going to sign with the um 
NRLW club because yep. Chloe Dalton, is, she's an Olympic gold medalist for the Rugby Sevens. She would be one of the players I would pick that maybe made that switch in the future. You are seeing a lot of already AFLW sort of kick-started with players who came from another sporting background or have played in other sports at the same time while playing AFLW. How do you reckon that's going to look as expansion clubs continue to grow, but we're also seeing other sporting codes grow? How do you think that's going to affect the AFLW? That's a good question, actually, because they'll they'll still be looking for those kind of cross-coders, I guess, um, in AFLW to try and lure them. And the, and the CBA maybe will lure some with the, with the financial um, increases. I also think footy's got to, like, just footy is in AFLW's got to sort of really scour from within as well. There must be so many players, I think, that can become AFLW standard in um, VFL, in the other state <clears throat> leagues, in some of the... In some of the community leagues, they just but they really need to work on recruiting. I think so. That's an that's a part of. Um, I know, for example, say Melbourne Football Club. Some of their people they just they just go to the ends of the earth to um, identify players, and I I'd like to see that with with um, the other clubs as well. So I think there's plenty of good players out there within who are playing Aussie rules. But also, yeah, the cross-coders will still – there'll be more of a um, a bit of a battle for those cross-coders, though, Sarah, as you say, because there's more um, there's more sports now that are paying more money that want to that wanna have the best athletes on board. If I can just jump in, I've done some snappy research. Uh, Brooke's actually coming home, if we could put it that way. She played rugby sevens um, and even won a gold medal, if you don't mind, at the – Rio Games in Rugby Union. So she's gone from Rugby Union to AFLW. Now she's back to what I say is the better code. But um, <laughs> Union and League is a, is a much simpler transition than AFL and Rugby League. And vice versa, if you want to ask um, Israel Folau, it might be uh, Exhibit A. Lisa, the, um, just to take on Sarah's point of the cross-coders or the multidisciplinary, it seems to me that... Um, and that's been an extraordinary feature of AFLW, how many girls are coming from other sports and have been very good at those sports. I get the impression that a lot of them uh, would like to, in fact, retain both sports. You know, if they've been in netball, they'd like to play AFLW and go back to netball. This yeah. changing of the season to the August situation, I think, will actually disrupt a lot of people because I think there's no certainty about how they can actually go back and play their other, <clears throat> their other love which I think is actually a great thing, the people involved in more than one sport. Do you have a view on that? Look, that you could well be right. I know that the Irish girls were having to contemplate what they were going to do in terms mm. of playing uh, Gaelic footy over there in Ireland or whether they'd, whether they'd come back. And a lot of them are coming back, I guess, because they're paid, to, paid for it, plus the lifestyle here. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly, a, it's certainly an issue. I mean, I guess it, where any time of the season or of the year might become a clash with something, you know. But you're right. It's great to see those players that love to play the highest level at this game and the highest level at that game. Like um, Brazel, say, from Collingwood, she's a, in the um, Australian netball squad, so she couldn't fulfil her Collingwood 
commitments, understandably, because she's off with the Opals. Oh, so, sorry, the Diamonds, um, for example. So, yeah, it's always going to – it is a pity because you'd love to see them at at both doing two two of their sports at once. It's something that we we don't get to see with the guys when they have to make – or they seem to have to make the choice. You know, when we see, say, cricket and footy or whatever, basketball and footy or whatever it may be. So it is unique to the to the women's game, if we can mm. keep that. It's, yeah, there's a lot of things that are going to change over time when we go to the longer season, you know, when they become full-time pretty much. Uh, the, then those opportunities to play those second sports and also this kind of I just think AFLW is such a massive community buzz and, and community sport, even though it's at the elite level. The Where it is at the moment, where it's played on those grounds, it's like the vibe is amazing. Now, how do we keep that as we go forward to become more full-time athletes, um, longer seasons, if we're going to play double headers, say at the G with the men and women. There's a lot that we want to, there's a lot I think to like about AFLW at the moment in terms of the vibe, I suppose. Like if we go back to the movie, the castle or the castle, you know, the, the feeling, the, the, the wonderful feeling of that for sport is just at the moment. It's something that like for me, it's far surpassed AFL in terms of, would I go to AFL or AFLW and, and what am I more invested in? AFLW would be the answer. Even though, say, for me, Essendon hasn't had a team. But that's just, obviously, I've been involved in women's footy for such a long time. How do we keep that? How do we, you know, there's a lot of things that I think that, and it's being managed. Is it being managed really well? There's, you know, how do we maintain the, the feel that we've got for AFLW? You got any any idea of the um, or wish list for the new CEO of the AFL, Lisa? Who you'd like to see in that role? Uh, Sarah, are you free? I am free. <laughs> <laughs> Always happy to sort of help out here and there, especially like just listening to what you were saying before the the vibe. I'm participating in footy at a local level has been just so amazing for me as a person and other people, especially especially through COVID, because you heard so many horror stories of a lot of men's football teams that might not have had that vibe you were talking about and maybe not having that support. Whereas I've felt and heard through a lot of women's female football communities, they were really getting around each other the whole time. And it's just as the one thing I'm sort of concerned about at a local level is now there's all this talk about when players start to get paid and how that might affect things and what what the sort of shape will be of grassroots sport now that more women are participating in all sporting codes at a level, which is something we really want to see. But I guess hopefully that helps with the community and grassroots can really bolster everything up. But you've, you've had a massive involvement in grassroots women's sport and women's footy, especially with the St Kilda Sharks as well. What sort of change have you seen in the vibe, as you said, over the last couple of years with the AFLW? 
Well, before we go on to that, Sarah, I just wondered if you were free to take on the role of CEO at the AFL. <laughs> always free. I reckon I'd be good as well. I'm a Hawthorne supporter that's always been waiting for an AFLW team, so I know what it's like to wait. I just keep waiting to get my letter of um, employment. <laughs> You've got to put yourself out there then. You'll have to go banging on the door and speak to Richard Goiter and, you know, just say, here I am. And you oh, see absolutely. Start updating my LinkedIn profile. You've already said more than Nicole Livingston I've heard from in the last year. <laughs> Surprisingly quiet after she gets one of the biggest roles in AFLW. She was You're up there announcing the big pay deal, but I could have done that. I mean, yeah, anyway, I'd hope she played a part in it. Wasn't she commentating on swimming or something? Yep. Yeah, swimming. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is across Coda for you. The Chief. It's interesting that... Um, well, when she was appointed, I don't know if I don't know if I just thought she she just naturally she'd sit on the executive, but she obviously doesn't sit on the executive at the AFL. So, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I think it's different people sort of treat AFLW differently in there. I I'm pretty. I was told that um, Stephen uh, Steve Hocking. When he was there, he really treated it like he goes, okay, uh, if it's men's, uh, women's is the same. Like whatever it is, it's got to be treated the same. You've got to put your same consideration into both. Now, obviously, he's not there anymore. Um, how much, you know, you'd hope that that was the case across everything, but to, who knows? It's hard to say in there. If you've heard the head of the NRL, it's not actually – Peter Volandis, it's Andrew Abdo. When he speaks about the women's game, he almost uh, he gets very emotional because he's so passionate about it. Uh, whether you could say the same about Big Gill is a, a matter for debate, but uh, it, it's great to have the head of rugby league, albeit the men's game, is also the head of the women's game, speaking so passionately and pushing it. Oh, 100%. And that's what we need with, with AFLW. That's what we need. It's got to be the same. Like people have said to me, should it be run by a whole different organisation? You know, should there be a separate union for the women? Like all these kinds of things. And as it sits at the moment, it's under the AFL brand or AFL organisation. And it's all the 18 clubs have now have teams. I think it's, we're in really sort of crucial times to how this, how this goes. And the sooner it gets to a to a fullest longer season, the development of the players and the and the coaches, the staff, the salary, the um, you know, it's really at a, I think it's like it's, at, it's sort of at a tipping point for AFLW now. Now yeah. that the eighteen teams are there, it's got to be properly resourced across every team because we know it wasn't properly resourced in year one by a lot of clubs, you know. And multiple years by a lot of clubs, we know that it wasn't properly resourced. So, no, really, it's it's a it'll be resourced properly, and it'll and we'll have a a fantastic future for the game. Or b we won't b it's not. And yeah, like you say, Paul, with um other other codes. and yep. and athletes and players wanting to see a few. Where can I? What can I do? To be a full-time athlete, you know, maybe I maybe my future's not in AFLW. Maybe it's in NRLW. I don't know. I just think we're at such a, you know, maybe it's in soccer. Maybe it's in netball. 
Look, we might finish up, but Sarah, you were late to the party. Uh, have you got any other questions for Lisa? Well, I did, following on from, I guess, what we're talking about, the league expanding and what that's going to look like, we are also hearing talk about when Tasmania and Darwin are going to get their teams. Do you think that the AFL will look to expand the AFLW alongside those teams and try and work in more sort of development for the league? Or do you think they will try and take the AFLW at its own pace and focus on that a little bit more rather than bringing two expansion teams into the AFL and AFLW at the same time? Look, I think they might bring um, another another uh, club into the AFL, whether that's Tassie first or NT first. I know that obviously the, the business case for Tassie, et cetera, and for NT. I don't think it'll happen for AFLW just yet. I mean, we've just got four new teams Basically, since 2017, we started with zero and now we're at 18. So I'd say it'll be a while yet before we get any new teams in the AFLW. But um, certainly down the track, Tassie could be, you know, an option and maybe NT as well. But I wouldn't think, you know, you wouldn't want them for quite a while now until we get the 18 teams bedded down and with good lists and... um, you know, it's taken some of the new clubs quite a while to um, to find their feet in AFLW, so it'll be a while yet, Sarah. Yeah, I, hope. I hope. Fingers crossed. Some are still even finding their feet now, so I guess hopefully we can see a more sustainable competition growing in the next couple of years. Absolutely, absolutely. And it will be the, all these things that we've discussed today, like is August the best time? You know, how many games is, is um, the right length? This is only a one-year CBA. There's a whole lot more to play out. So there's plenty plenty more to, um, to discuss as the season starts and, you know, into next year, et cetera. I suppose, I suppose Lisa, there's one thing that all fans would be clamouring for and – that's some announcement of an AFL vision for how it sees the AFLW and where it sees it sitting to cover all the things we've spoken about because we're up to, as you said, season seven, we're going to start in August. I think those questions have been posed on this program for the last five or six years. Yeah. Regrettably, we don't see many closer to answers to a lot of those questions. I guess the good thing is that there's at least a step closer to women being full-time in the game with this latest CBA and the increase in salaries. I guess the the tough thing for the AFL is that it had a very large increase in salaries to placate the women this time, saying, all right, we won't give you any more than 10 games, but here's a big salary increase. That won't be the case for the next CBA. So hopefully there'll be some good thought going into uh, the future of the game for the next CBA. You know what, Mark? I reckon you just said one key word then, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've we've been saying hopefully for five or six years. Like, what is the plan? Where is the vision? You know, what, like, is there one? Is it, there was a very good operator in an AFL called Josh Vandaloo. 
He was um, super strategic all over a lot of this stuff, did work in the women's game heaps before AFLW came along, and he was doing some other role. And he's gone over to Hawthorne now, and he's their head of AFLW. So I'll be very interested to watch watch their progress and their strategy because, um, yeah, who's actually managing the strategy in there at the uh, at the moment, I'm not quite sure. So hopefully we'll see something. Well, if you want someone with a lot of talk, um, there's a rugby league fan from the Cronulla area who's looking for a job, uh, ScoMo. <laughs> They'll give you a lot of vision. You'll talk about it, though. Paul, <laughs> wash your mouth out. <laughs> he doesn't even follow rugby league. He's from Coogee, rugby union anyway. Don't get me started. All right, uh... Look, Lisa, thanks very much for coming on. We really appreciate you giving us your time. Thanks for listening to the Sports Fan Radio podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and tell a friend. You might also like listening to some of our other podcasts. You can get more Sports Fan Radio on our YouTube channel.